watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I'm Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Larte, and today we have three movies for you. Crazy Rich Asians, Skate Kitchen, and Mining the Gap. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. Jason, um, usually I don't mind if somebody's watching, but I do feel like there's somebody watching and it's freaking me out. Watching and judging, I would say. Always. <laughs> Who's in the room? We have a guest today, guys. Uh, a guest that is uh, here especially be, uh, related to the final two movies that we're reviewing today. Because those two movies are about uh, skateboarding. And so we thought, who better to bring in as a guest for this episode uh, than our favorite skateboard aficionado and Rebecca's longtime partner in radio broadcast. And in life. And in love, Ms. Heidi Weber. Heidi Weber. Bitch, I might be. We have talked about you a lot on this show. You wouldn't know because you've never heard it, but trust mm-hmm. us, we mention you all the time. Our listeners know who you are. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Um, so Heidi um, is also from Ohio. You guys went to college together. Mm-hmm. We met while Heidi was still in college. So it's been, what, um, maybe 10, 11 years, 12, 13 years for us now? All? Oh, yeah, it's been a, a minute for sure. At least. Yeah. At least one minute. Right. Yeah. So, and the funny thing is that there are so many people who I uh, have only met since moving to San Francisco, but who were in my orbit in Kent, in Ohio. And it took it to, to unlock this whole constellation of, uh, of, of, of lesbians from Ohio. <laughs> to, this to, is to, the L word chart that Jason has in his This bedroom. is my Alice L word chart. What it took was simply myself and our friend Lindsay moving out here, and then our friends Amy and Dave following suit. It was when Amy and Dave came out here that things really kicked off. That's, Ramped up. That's when the Ohio like diaspora really kicked in, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. it was just a steady trickle from that point onward mm-hmm. for a while. Um, and uh, some have left, but we're all still here. Look at us now. Here we are. Here we are. We're still going. We're doing it. We're really doing it. We're, we're, we've really done it. We've really done it, and we're going to continue. We're doing it right now. We're actually doing it right now. It's pretty great. Uh, so, uh, and uh, I, I, as I did mention, the two of you, while uh, while our, our our listeners are accustomed to uh, to Rebecca and I, uh, you know, doing a two hander on this show, uh, the two of you have a history in radio broadcast mm. together that that easily sh- uh, eclipses. Um, the the few years that Rebecca and I have been doing this. Oh, for sure. Um, uh, totally does. <laughs> Heidi Let's and I... never forget that. I feel threatened. You um, should. Well, this is the uh, <laughs> kind of jealousy I've been waiting for. It's all coming out now. Fight over me. Oh, I'm... <laughs> oh please, fight over me. <laughs> Heidi uh, and I did a radio show um, starting Ten in Ohio. years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we did it here. We're on a brief hiatus um, where brief is... No, indefinite, <laughs> indefinite. Uh, we did a um, we did an indie rock and pop radio show called Shindignation. Um, we had a lot of fun. We went to uh, Pitchfork and did interviews, and um, we had events, and it's been great. Um, but now we are back where we belong behind the microphones. It's true, and I can't wait to make Jason feel like the third wheel. I know on his own fucking podcast. Oh wow, this has been the strategy all along. Mm-hmm. I've been plotting this for years. We've all been plotting. There's a it's a Mexican standoff of and- um, <laughs> jealousy and affection. And you still don't speak Spanish. No, and I uh, don't know if that's racist. No, probably <laughs> is. And you guys, you even see the formation we're sitting in. Um, the two of them are facing each other across the table, and I am sitting on a tiny hobbly chair at the far end of it. Nobody even knows where our feet are. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the answer is in some crotches. Mm. We've mm. always um, made jokes while we were on air about where our hands were and mm. people not wearing pants and touchings. It's funny because it yeah. wasn't true. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not even a little well, bit. Well, I always um, assumed that everybody thought we were dating because we were... Two lesbians on the air, um, weirdly um, talking affectionately to each other, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but 
we're still not dating. So to this day, to In this case, day, we're still not dating. For those Shidney Nation stands who have been waiting for this day, waiting for some Scullion Mulder style announcement, <laughs> um, not going to happen. Not happening today. Sorry, guys. Mully and Scalder. Did I say Mully and Scalder? No, I did. Okay. In my mind, I was like, say it right, say it right, say it right. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> thing I didn't. So uh, this part of the show, we usually talk about what is up with us, um, but there really isn't anything going on with me, and I'd love to hear what's going on with you, Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> but the last time we uh, saw each other was when I took a hiatus from the show, um, and we went and spent a couple days in a, a fantastic time at a, in a lake house in Ohio. How fun was that? Oh my God, it was amazing. The neighbors are weirdos. Oh, totally Lovely, weirdos. lovely weirdos. Loved us. So we have... Um, we get along very well with retired women. I feel like we were living our best life. It really was. It, it really, really was. was. Just it was beer in, swimming out. Donna Summer. Donna Sana Summer Summer. Mm. Donna Summer also summer. Yeah. Disco balls on the deck, staying up till three with my mom and my aunt. Oh, <laughs> it was heaven. amazing. Driving around a little sports car. We we drove my aunt's uh, convertible. We went to go get Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And the woman was like, I love your car. And I was like, I am not even going to front. This is not my car. <laughs> and then we got oh, yeah. donuts and coffee. It came out to like under $5. And I didn't uh, know what to do with all the money. I had given you like 15 bucks. Yeah. I was like, here, I got it. I gave, like, I, gave, bucks. I gave her 10 bucks. And she was like, honey, uh, why are you giving me all this extra money? I was like, just take it. I don't know. <laughs> we didn't know what to do with it. It's so cheap. I don't know what to do. Just take the money, please. She probably Nobody she knew. thought I was some like that's when she complimented my car. She probably thought I was some uh-huh. like rich person, but I was literally driving my aunt's car and buying <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. And she got a five dollar tip out of you. Yep. Because you're like, you know what? I can't front. I cannot front. Consi- no fronting. Consider this a fee that I'm paying um, because of my inability to front. It's a no front fee of five dollars. It's an interesting thing. Like when you're driving a red convertible two seater. There is not a single person that is not looking at you. Mm. No. And then looking I, at... You don't even realize it. Like, I feel like I had a little outfit for it, and I was like, this is going to be funny. And then we, like, get in the car. I was like, oh, shit, oh, everyone shit. can see me. Yeah. <laughs> two, two butch lesbians in a two-seater red convertible. I had and an American Warren... flag oh, bandana. Sh- yes. And a sleeveless t-shirt that had Goofy on it. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> I'd like to. Can you imagine? We were rolling up the softball practice (laughs) early. (laughs) And this is why people think we're dating. I mean. Hey, I wouldn't mind it. (laughs) Arm candy over here with. (laughs) That bandana was looking real good. Uh Don't mind. Don't mind if I do. Just throw an arm over them shoulders. Parade her around town. Pretty, pretty little thing. <laughs> Listening to Closer to Fine. P-Y-T. Um, a little red Corvette, it's what it was. Damn, and this was Aunt Brenda's car? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm. She, she calls sh- it the... the sa- she has sassy shoes that match the sassy car. Mm-hmm. Now, did you also wear the shoes? <laughs> <laughs> Bitch. No. No, not at all. Not should even, have. Not even a might have. Bitch, I should have. Bitch, I should have. Oh. Uh. So the other thing to note is that um, isn't this a movie podcast? Yeah, that's the thing I was going to say. Let's, t- let's talk a little bit just briefly about how um, you don't watch movies. Mm. No, I, I really don't. I'll text Jason every once in a while when I'm at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I spend a lot of time at home alone, and then I'll text <laughs> him and say, "What movie should I watch?" And it's always like Trainwreck or you like a comedy, Bad Mom's Christmas, right? You enjoy <laughs> you enjoy a you enjoy a comedy. Something light, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm the same way. You know, at night after a long day at the office, <laughs> you want to watch something heavy? No, I don't want to be sad. Yeah, I do. That's why I, I didn't watch the heavy. That's why I didn't watch this week's movies until today. <laughs> <laughs> Get home, and I'm just like, well, time to, yeah, fire up Bad Moms. Anything with Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she has not led us astray yet, because you just watched I Feel Pretty. I did. So. Oh, how was that? Way better than Trainwreck. That's the other one. Really? Oh, yeah. But it didn't have LeBron James. LeBron James was the best part of Trainwrecked. Oh, right. Yeah, well, true. And, uh, and turns there out. was also uh, 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 Snatched. Oh, right. Oh, Snatched. Oh, I watched Han. that one, too. Yeah. That was cute. I liked that, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? All she... right. And that's our movie podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're done. Those are our picks. Those are Heidi's iTunes rentals of the week. 
So the first movie we're going to talk about today is one that Heidi hasn't seen. Let's see if she still weighs in. Uh, it is Crazy Rich Asians. I really wanted to see it, though. Well, there's still time because it's just opening today. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Rachel Chu is happy to accompany her longtime boyfriend, Nick, to his best friend's wedding in Singapore. She's also surprised to learn that Nick's family is extremely wealthy and he's considered one of the country's most eligible bachelors. Thrust into the spotlight, Rachel must now contend with jealous socialites, quirky relatives, and something far, far worse. Nick's disapproving mother. Jason, you weren't, you, I would, didn't get to see this movie with you. No, but we both did see it. Ah, what um, a magical experience. Where do you guys go to watch your movies? Uh, generally, uh, the advanced screenings that we go to happen downtown, at, like the Metreon or the Westfield. Okay. Um, today, I actually was, I paid and bought a ticket to see it earlier today. Oh. I saw the ticket on the table. Yes. Legit. She, she is corroborating <laughs> it. She is corroborating the story. I'm not making it up. So. Wait, but didn't you have to be at work today? I was working from home. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> you bitch. I'm going to slide off. <laughs> like, I'm not going to talk in the, during and this one, in, except I'm going to call in, you out. Just long enough to sabotage me. <laughs> That's why I'm here. I was like, didn't you tell your wife you were working out? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, and it's really too bad Heidi couldn't see it with us because I feel like the struggles that Rachel faces in this are classic Heidi struggles. First generation. Confronting socialites, overbearing mothers-in-law. Mm-hmm. Just It's just a Heidi Weber kind of struggle. It really is. Trying to make it, just make it as a uh, economics professor at NYU mm-hmm. or Columbia. Exactly. Being all swept up into the, the whirling, rich madness of Singapore. That is just like me, you guys. Yeah. I know. I know. So I feel like... You're actually three for three on the on the show this week. Might have been a perfect match, but yeah. I guess in the meantime, we'll talk about it without you. So, Crazy Rich Asians. Yes. Um, this movie, TLDR. I feel like the summary was pretty thorough in this one. We have what does TLDR mean? Too, <laughs> too long, didn't read. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you see? Do you see why that would be used? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mostly for email. Yeah, or mainly on like Facebook when you're like posting an article, it'll be like TLDR, like here's the TLDR summary of this long ass article. Is this some sort of millennial term? It's like an email term. It's like a social media term. Okay, or, I think of it as a like a business term. I'm out really? of the loop. Mm-hmm. As a, well, that's because you live in a, because you work in a very permissive business environment where people don't read anything. Apparently, no I one reads anymore. I consider myself a businesswoman, <laughs> and I've never heard of this. Really. Anyways, go on. You're like, I never summarized anything. You read the whole thing. Exactly. You have to. She's a businesswoman and she's giving you the businesswoman. You have to pay attention to the details. Go mm-hmm. on. Yeah. That's, thank you. I mean, what is more enraging than when you someone has clearly not read the email? That per you my them? last email. <laughs> Heidi will be that bitch. She'll be oh, the per I am my last email 100% that bitch. <laughs> Don't challenge her. Don't do it. No. Uh, but yeah, TLDR, that's what it means. <laughs> um, so, so I think in this context, you were saying TLDR to be like, okay, do we need to talk about the, mm. the, the, the plot some more? Yeah. Do uh, we? Or, I don't know. I, um... so I feel like what we have here is, is pretty much just like your classic. It's a very sort of Jane Austen story in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. It's like a Jane Austen story updated to modern times, uh, you know, and, uh, taking place primarily in Singapore. Mm-hmm. We have it starts off in New York. Um, we I like we're, we're we're thrown right into a couple who's been together for about a year, and he's just like, "It's time for you to come mm-hmm. with me to Singapore and meet the family." After a badass prologue in which we, uh, oh, in which yeah. we first oh, we get yeah. acquainted. So with... is it Meet the Fockers? Hmm. Is it Meet the Fockers? No, not mm. at all. No, no. Okay, I didn't see the movie, so <laughs> <laughs> feel free to keep asking which movie it is <laughs> as it strikes you. Well, it sound, the even the description sounds like the description of every other movie that's ever been made about this exact same subject. That is not wrong. Uh, However, there is one major difference in this movie. Singapore. Well. <laughs> Keep guessing. <laughs> I, want, I want to hear more guesses. Asian. <laughs> I mean, yes. Wait, so isn't it, there a Bahamian movie called Big Fat Greek Wedding? That is that? <laughs> So it's basically. Uh, I'm done. I'm done. So TLDR. You know what they say about Greeks? <laughs> they're not. They're not rich. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So crazy rich Asians. Um, yes, Jane Austen story. Yes, a movie we've heard before. Class, family, making your way. Oh yeah, because Heidi asked if it was Little Fockers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's very not Little Fockers. Meet the Fockers. Pardon me. Um, the important thing is... Aren't you the mu- movie expert here? <laughs> the important thing is that Barbara Streisand is in both of those movies. Right. 
wow, I forgot about that. Yes. And that's what I remember, okay? <laughs> that's what I bring to the table. Typical. Yes, it is. And I'm fine with that. So uh, so what we have, yeah, it is a very um, traditional romantic comedy um, storyline where you have a, you know, it's, oh, is it a romantic comedy? See, I didn't, this is something I was thinking when I was watching it mm. earlier today when I should have been working, um, was that it's, it did not, it, it it's humorous, but I didn't laugh like ever. Oh, I laughed a lot. But did I you? But like when I think of romantic comedy, I think that the humor is like between the couple and the humor was all from Aquafina. Yes, yeah, and no, her hum- family. The humor I just was laughed so hard. Is Aquafina not a water? <laughs> no, it's a great question. Aquafina is an actress. She was in what is it? Sorority. She no. was in Ocean's Eight. Ocean's Eight. Well, she was also in the sorority movie. Um, the oh. one with Zac Efron. Oh, Neighbors Two. Neighbors Two. Was she? Oh yeah, she was hilarious in Neighbors Two. Why I go back I to my her? original question. This is not is meet that the not a water. Oh no, is that it's not the brand of a water. No, it's A W K Aquafina. Is it meet the water? Uh, no, yeah, so I also, so her name, yeah, she has taken the name of Aquafina the Water and made it her stage name, but has, that's all I was asking, is spelling it differently. <laughs> and, and to the end, I will be honest, I still resent her for doing this, really, because I, I was gonna start asking you to call me Topo Chico, but I guess that's out the door now. And actually, I would rather you, um, call me, um, by Pellegrino. Um, I'm open to requests on however you would like to identify with your names. I'm fine with that. However, I do resent the fact that this person has just appeared and called herself Aquafina, which I feel like is a drag name. I don't feel like it is an, an actor's name. Um, so I think it takes... Are you a- saying drag drag stars can't be actors, Jason? I am I saying... I you were a big yeah, fan of the what drag are community. You saying what are you here? saying right now? Uh, their names are real names, and they want to be called by them. And what are you even saying? That's not wow. their real names. They don't want to be called by them. That's their stage names. Hmm. I mean, you know. Listen. Uh, so yeah, Aquafina is in this, and this is actually the first time that I warm to her because so far I've just mainly been annoyed by her. Um, what? Yes. Um, because oh, you cannot take a funny woman. Because oh Jesus Christ! Whoa! Um, <laughs> because I just hate the name so much, uh, and I think there might be something to be said that was borderline problematic about the way she talks sometimes. Uh, which is a conversation that I myself am mm. not allowed to have, um, but we know what I'm talking about. Mm. I don't, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> is it okay to appropriate a different race's uh, vocal stylings as if you are at least not white? I mean, I think that there is a situation. Um, I might be speaking a little off the cuff here. From no, the hip. no. Uh, I, I think that there's like there there is a subculture of 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 like. Los Angeles that is um, like a multicultural mm-hmm. area that's that is all raised the same way raised with similar um, vocabulary and ways of speaking sure but if she were white and from that area we still wouldn't be okay well, with then it. we'd be watching blind spotting <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be fine I was thinking of that and you'd be attracted except, to her except for it wasn't okay in blind spotting but it was except for the one word it was fine well I guess it wasn't <laughs> it was I don't never, know why, why it was never okay why is why are we justifying you hating women <laughs> Once again, oh you've God. trapped me into this argument where you want me to agree that it's okay that you hate women. Wait, is blind spotting like train spotting? No, it's like the blind spot. <laughs> it's like the blind side. I'm it's the person it. that doesn't watch movies. <laughs> so I'm going to keep asking questions. Like so that's it. Yeah, so Aquafina was, yeah, she was a comic relief. But that's one of the things that um, that kind of bothered me about uh, about the movie is because the lead actress, Constance Wu, who plays Rachel... Um, is a comic great. Mm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. If anyone has watched Fresh Off the Boat, they know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, I actually like that show. It's super cheesy, but it, I'll it's put funny, it, I'll right? watch it when it's on. Yeah, yeah. and she she's the mom. Yeah, yeah. Isn't she? She's like genius. Oh, she's great. Yeah, yeah. She plays the straight the yeah, straight she, person here. Straight. Yeah, it's similar no to funny. like no fun at all. Um, just pure. It's almost a more dramatic role than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's she sort of is to this movie what Regina Hall um was to Girls Trip, uh, mm-hmm. where previously Regina mm-hmm. Hall was always doing the scene stealing comedy roles, and then she played it straight for Girls Trip. Which one was she? She was the lead. She's like the one who organizes oh, the Girls she's Trip. She's going on. She's, she's like, going on the work trip, and she invites she's like the everybody. famous one. Yeah. yeah. Once again, you have the uh, Aquafina, who you could call the Tiffany Haddish of this movie. You could just stealing the show. Yes, although not as handily as Tiffany Haddish stole Girls Trip, I would say. This is not going to be like she that really level. She really did run away with that. Yeah, Tiffany Haddish is a superstar now. And Aquafino, I don't think, will be a superstar because of this movie. 
I think because of the name, but <laughs> the name also I think will hold her back. <laughs> Make that noise all you want. I can I mean, hear we'll it. See. I hear it. I hear we'll the noise. See. Um this movie is felt important. This movie felt like no, this, you looked no, at me like no, because puzzle you said, this you, fuck. You said this movie is felt important. So this I was I was trying to follow what you were saying. Pause. Felt important. I got you. Thank you. <laughs> wow, the woman hating is just coming out guns blazing today i think it's the both of us he's intimidated by he did the wow. same thing when inga was here and that's why i can't release the recording <laughs> revisionist history you have a typical woman inga and you didn't invite me Ingu. Ingu. sorry oh. yeah not 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 an inga we would always bring heidi to a heidi and an inga to will an always inga be party. at the same party yeah. yeah invite a heidi to an inga party 10 times out of 10 yeah it um i saw like a uh the um i don't know if it was the red carpet event or whatever mm. on the news and they were talking about how big it was because all of the actors um were asian Mm -hmm. and um there's very little representation of asian people in movies at present time as Uh, like romantic in all times right so Uh, this is the first one in 25 years um the joy luck club in 1993 oh yeah was the last time that there was a hollywood release that featured uh in a predominantly asian cast so it's historic it's historic, and it is yeah. So it does it. It is important. It's very important. There are so many movies that aren't fantastic in the Hollywood canon and the blockbuster canon that are romantic comedies and that mm-hmm. are fun and that are, and that you love and you they're endearing and they remind you of something and you know it's not the best movie in the world but you're mm-hmm. like oh it's a classic right it's like something we all know it's like a Meet the Fockers even right it's like a relatable story we've all had of uh, not we've all had but you know it's a relatable <laughs> relatable Just story Heidi. of like a Meet the Parents Only type Heidi's story. Had it. Um, and, and this is a story for uh, a group of people. There are cultural references that, yeah, that people super, really enjoy. Like, is it it's, super no, into it's, the cult, that particular culture? So it's funny. We mentioned briefly, right, right when we took a break that you were talking about, um, <laughs> you were no. talking about, you were talking about, um, just like, like what, what is it, what does it mean to, to be these, to be different groups and to be immigrants in society and and right the, a big part of this movie is that there's a part that transcends um like the geography of where they're immigrants from because in in this rachel goes back to singapore to meet his family and she's looked at differently um and you know disparagingly because she they see her as an american even mm-hmm. though she's chinese and they're chinese um they don't see her as a good match for their son because they see her as american and by that they they mean oh you are trying to succeed you have ambition she's a professor and she doesn't put family first right exactly which is the value that they were holding mm-hmm. um so being judged as an immigrant to america being from that family was, was an interesting uh, turn as well that it also makes it relatable to people um, of different cultures and nationalities mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i mean it, it, it and that is i think the thing that makes it uh the most remarkable aside from the historic cast uh is that you know it's not every day that you find a romantic comedy that sort of digs in deep on issues of you know a culture clash and of tensions uh, you know, tensions within races or ethnicities based on um, if they still, you know, live where they began or if they have immigrated to another country, uh, you know, and and this kind of gets pretty serious in the final stretch uh, in these conversations. And so and uh, so I think that that is definitely something that I commend this movie for. And, um, you know, it's it's impossible to just say, oh, it's the same as any other once you finish the whole thing, you can't be like, oh, this is the same as any other romantic comedy you've mm-hmm. ever seen um, because it does, you know, go into those areas. And I must say that Michelle Yeoh, who plays the mother, mm-hmm. is incredible. She is fantastic. It's so funny to think that she is um, was from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm-hmm. And now she is... And I believe she was a Bond girl. Uh, yeah, yeah. Obvious dragon. Oh, I, yeah. I did um, uh, read about the Bond girl portion of that. Yes. that's <laughs> That popped up? Uh, some article, yes caught your eye mm-hmm. <laughs> that's her michelle yo the uh, you know another relatable story of, of having been the subject of of disapproving parents and then turning that on on the generation after you and what that means the the fact that the, his family is so rich is not relatable to a lot of people no but then i wonder if i if i'm from a culture that where the kardashians are not the on the tv every day and not universally known and i see a movie you know I'm an expat somewhere else. I see a movie and it's like about Americans and about the Kardashians. Like, do I think that's hilarious? Because it's like, oh my God, you find you captured this like ridiculous American thing or you've only seen before you because you were in, in America. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that something that like a lot of people would know and, and, and think is, is funny to be portrayed in, in this movie? Yeah. So in short, the movie has a lot of luxury porn. Like the mm-hmm. movie is like 90% luxury porn. Um, 
and uh meaning that like the you know the the family that this guy comes from is like the richest of the richest of the richest of the rich because it turns out she has like multiple friends who have rich families. Aquafina's mm. character it turns out has like this super rich family that lives in this huge mansion. Mm-hmm. But the um, wife is successful on her own, right? Well, she is. She's just she's just an economics professor in New York, so she's like moderate successful, but nowhere near. And she, her mother was an immigrant from China uh, who came to America with nothing, so she herself does not come from money. Okay. So um, for an, an example of how rich these people are, um, when they have a bachelor, they're in town for they go to Singapore for a wedding. And the the guy who's getting married, they have a bachelor party for him, and they're trying to figure. They all get on helicopters, all the guys, to figure out where it is, and it ends up being on um, one of those gigantic shipping boats that have like that are all filled with containers. all the containers, and they've like emptied it out and like put a pool in there and DJs, and they're like shooting off bazookas. So it's yeah. like ne- next and, world. And it rich. Says, Sounds like it's gonna piss me off. Yes, it might. And the side of the boat says in giant block letters, "Ball and Collins party." Yeah. <laughs> So that's a fun thing. So I mean, I do. I you know, I think that prosperity and wealth and luxury and things like that have different you know connotations in different cultures. I don't know you know how it would look outside of ours. I don't know how it would look uh, there. Um, you know, I think that it's it's just the kind of that thing where uh, if you know you have an underserved population that uh, that historically is having their stories told by uh, white people um, when they're told at all. Uh, you know, like I just choose to respect that, you know, the individuals who, you know, the guy who wrote this book and then the guys who adapted it, uh, you know, who are all Asian men, like this is what they want, the story they wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I think that, you know, similarly to probably not a direct line, but similarly to how Black Panther was all about all creating this like the super elevated royalty um, that could be this aspirational thing to look to. And that, of course, is less, it just has a less gross uh, sort of connotation than like, let's get super rich. Um, you know, I think they're different things. But um, but yeah, so it's, it made me personally uneasy. But you know, it is what it is. I don't feel like I have, you know, a place to stand to be like, oh, they shouldn't be so materialistic. Oh, I think it's definitely a representation of, of something that's very real. Oh, I'm not saying it isn't real. No, uh, I'm just saying that, you know, it's real. And, like, I'm just saying I feel like it's gross. But, like, I don't also don't know that it's for me to voice an opinion because I don't mm. know what it represents in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, it, it just bugs me because, you know, just China and, like, human rights abuses and, like, the enormous population of peasants living in squalor across the... Uh. But that's not Singapore. Well, I know, I know. But, like, all the characters come from China. Uh, and then mm-hmm. they, their family had moved to Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um, so. it's like a story from it's like a Dubai right it's like these places where there's like ultra wealth um, mm-hmm. and, and seeing the story of the people there um, right. hello that's not just right. we Asian live in Sa- countries we live in San Francisco. it's happening right here so <laughs> not that San Francisco isn't like a ridiculous amount of wealth right. but I do feel like there's a Oh, yeah, there's, there's a like next level the of super wealth, wealth. That, that we're not Dubai we don't own yeah we're not Dubai we don't have like yeah, this, luxury the Salesforce Tower isn't quite the Burj Khalifa not yet <laughs> maybe someday not yet. maybe someday um, so Jason what are you giving this one oh, are we done we're done <laughs> I'm trying to think of anything else to say uh, I mean the guy Nick is super cute the guy who played the romantic lead the fiance mm-hmm. you're like mm-hmm. yeah so. <laughs> I was like is that how you rate your movies how, cute, going, how yeah. cute the men are uh, yeah I mean I do sometimes this is like that onion movie review podcast <laughs> right like, Hunger Games was great that one boy was so cute. She got with the short boy who wasn't as cute. <laughs> Old Queens review movies and talk about cute boys. It's a salient point. For me, it's a consumer moderation just because I felt like, you know, it's very sweet and it's very sophisticated. Um, but I guess I just felt like it was just super unfunny. And I was bummed out by the lack of humor from Constance Wu. And, uh, and uh, you know, it is very, you know, kind of remedial. Um, but, I bet, oh, I, I was going to say this earlier. Um, you know, I feel like when there's an underserved group um, that, you know, that is getting its first sort of like taste of being able to tell its own stories in movies and TV, um, you know, that like sometimes you just go really big um, and broad and accessible for that first thing. Another example for me is Pose. Uh, so, you know, Pose, the TV show on FX, uh, you know, that's that's written by and starring a lot of trans women of color, uh, wound up being a much more sort of like 
I think a friend described it as seventh heaven crossed with Paris is burning. It wound up being like a much more sort of like gooey, uh, feel good family drama. Because you have to. Right. Because like, and that's the, that's the way that they want to frame their story. And so, so, you know, I don't want to put it on, you know, on underserved, uh, uh, you know, communities that like, oh, you have to make this like super gritty, like minor key art mm-hmm. the first time out of the gate. It's maybe not how they want to tell their story, right. but it's the way that they have to tell their story to make it con- um, consumable to the general public. Or mm-hmm. even even like we all have that gooey story movie and we give it a pass because it's like the movie we grew up with and and it's fun and exciting and even though it is like not the most serious movie of all time. We, like, we get the luxury. Right. Or well, some, some people get the luxury of having all of the things of having like the movie you always watch because Mystic Pizza is always romantic and funny and you well, get to have the, you, I don't know. You might be projecting a little right now. but Wait, so you're Wait, saying- what is the critique? The critique is that like like white cinema gets to have all mm-hmm. of the things. You right. get to have the yeah, comedies the and you get to have the like uh, the feel good movies mm-hmm. and then you get to have the serious dramas. And then for this movie to to and as you're saying, it doesn't have to be all the things. But even the fact that we're mentioning it in the context mm-hmm. of like, but it's not but it's remedial and it's this right. thing like it. That's OK. Like, it shouldn't right. be a. Uh, weighed against it for that. No, I'm not saying it's a weight against it. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm trying to contextualize it as such. To they're, be like, it's I not mean, a weight against it. They're forced to... It needs to succeed. It needs, you know, to, it needs succeed, to succeed. So they're packaging it in a way for white people to watch it and right. and for... You know what I mean? Right. It's, well, yeah. It's, a, it's an unfair burden that is only put on, you know, on groundbreaking things mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, like every movie that is, you know, features all women uh, doing mm-hmm. comedy becomes a referendum on women in comedy. And if it doesn't succeed, then more won't get financed. And Black Panther had the way of the world on it coming out in, mm-hmm. in theaters. And that's why it's so great that that succeeded so well. And now, uh, uh, you know, Crazy Rich Asians has the exact same kind of burden on it because it's the first of its kind in 25 years. So out of all of those things, it's kind of the most like it's been the longest time since something like this happened. Um, And Black Panther was certainly historic as well. And Crazy Rich Asians has that burden on it. And so, yeah, it has to be like super mainstream and palatable and broad. And so, yeah, so what I'm trying to say is that you have to like, yeah, like, I guess it's kind of like a walk before you can run thing. And also to have this undue pressure to perform so that the door will remain open and mm-hmm. that Hollywood will continue to finance stories that focus on underserved communities such as Asian people. So that's that's what I was trying to say. Well, I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it a binge it. So Crazy Rich Asians is rated PG-13 for some suggestive content and language. All right. So. We have two more movies we want to discuss, um, which is why we have Heidi on the show today. Both of them are um, about skateboarding, either obviously or not so obviously. Uh, We have Skate Kitchen and we have Minding the Gap. So first, let's talk a little bit about Skate Kitchen. Camille's life as a lonely suburban teenager changes dramatically when she befriends a group of girl skateboarders. As she journeys deeper into this raw New York City subculture, she begins to understand the true meaning of friendship. So the other movie that we are going to discuss sort of at the same time, um, there's a lot of interchangeable information. I don't know. I'm looking at you guys. Agreed? They're to- two totally different things, but it's cool because they're two totally different things. Right. We can juxtapose them, compare, mm, contrast. Yeah. Interesting. Like a book report. Um, the other is, again, Minding the Gap, um, which is a documentary about three young men bond together to escape volatile families in the Rust Belt hometown. As they face adult responsibilities, unexpected revelations threaten their decade-long friendship. Oh, let's just dive in. I know Heidi is Heidi is just bursting. She's... Oh, I've been itching. Oh. I've been itching to talk about it. Yes. Uh, so, uh, so let's start with. Well, Heidi, how about you talk about your background with skateboarding? So, in in spirit of this podcast, I figured I'd show you guys a picture of me at 18 years old, which is the around the same age um, as the, all mm. the kids in the movie mm-hmm. with my skateboard. Oh, I'm flipping a middle finger, have a wristband on with a lighter in it. And mm-hmm. um, you blend right in. Yeah, that's me. Guys, wish you could see it. Wish you could see it. You might be able to. <laughs> it might be the cover for this show. <laughs> it might be. I don't know how your design assets work. <laughs> well, send it to me. We'll see if we can fit it in there. So were you, you started skating at 18 or earlier than that? I actually stopped skating at 18. I uh, oh. I was like, as a kid, I, I did it a lot. And then when I was like 30, I just started having dreams about it over and over and over again. So I was like, if not now, when? And then I just started again. Injured myself pretty badly. So now I just kind of cruise around, but it's like the best thing in the world. 
And the whole skating culture is one that you take very seriously. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, so, I mean, to dive, like, right into the movies, mm-hmm. like, I love how, um, well, uh, Skate Kitchen. Yeah. I had been following that skate crew on social media for a long time, and I didn't oh. know that there was a mm. movie being made. And I love how um, that movie really, um, they really touch on the Instagram um, portion of skateboarding, which Instagram has completely changed the the um, landscape of skateboarding. Really? Especially since since they started allowing 60-minute clips. Oh, right. Because um, it used to be, you know, back in the 90s, you would get VHS tapes in the mail, right. and you'd sit with your friends, and you'd, like, the new one came, let's pop it in. Um, but now <laughs> anybody can just be yeah. the... Without Instagram, um, like a skate crew like the Skate Kitchen would not be able to have the recognition like this. And mm-hmm. it's actually like gotten a lot of female and queer skateboarding communities like visibility. Yeah. Because otherwise it would would have never happened. So they touch a lot on, on Instagram and like, yeah. let's make a clip. And like, so I thought that yeah. that was like a really important part of that movie. The fact mm-hmm. that, that that is that is true and that um, the Instagram skateboarding culture and then even the second movie being a documentary by one of the skateboarders and their culture, like the connection there between that's always a person with like the fisheye camera. There's mm-hmm. like skateboarding and video have been together hand in hand since the beginning. Always you like you have your person doing your tricks and then there's a person on the skateboard with the soft wheels like mm-hmm. falling behind you. But the cool thing about those guys were like, they don't give a fuck about Instagram or anything. They're literally like wearing Hawaiian shirts and skateboarding. Like they're not, they're not like posting on Instagram and stuff like that. So that was like the difference between those two things is that, yeah, the skate kitchen, that is like an Instagram born. This would never have happened if like Instagram wasn't a part of skateboarding. The other dudes, their dude, their friend was just making a doc, like, not even making a documentary. I don't think he even realized he wanted to make a documentary until it was all all the way over. But right. like just videotaping everything, they don't give a fuck about social media or anything. Right, and this is mining the gap. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's it's worth noting that so for uh for Skate Kitchen, uh, it is despite the fact that it's not technically a documentary, uh, mm-hmm. it is following a, a as Heidi mentioned a real team of female skaters, and in, they're in the movie. Yeah, which all... I thought was amazing. They're they were acting. Yeah. I think perfectly. Yeah, like they're all right? very they're very natural on camera and they're all mm-hmm. like playing themselves. Like are they using all their own real names? No, the movie doesn't use their real names. Okay, so they're playing characters yeah. but they're still Camille's na- real name is Rochelle Vinberg, okay. who I've been following on Instagram for a long time cuz she she's so sick. Funny. Like I would just see her <laughs> pop up in my feed and I'd be like, "Oh, I'm, I'm going to follow this girl on Instagram cuz she's sick." And that's the connection that they make in the movie. So the character you just mentioned, uh, she is, you know, she's our uh, Camille. She's the audience entry point. She's the protagonist. And she has this kind of like Instagram uh, connection with uh, with the girls in the skate kitchen. Yeah, I think she like finds an Instagram event or something. Like it's like, oh, come skate this Saturday mm-hmm. in the Lower East Side. Then she goes to right, New York she City. Lives on Long she's, right. And then she meets up with this crew. Um, so that crew in real life is Skate Kitchen. But in the movie, they are just those people playing this movie yeah right does that make yeah. sense yeah, as yeah. opposed to the other movie which is a straight-up documentary right yeah but it, it, it's also interesting because um because the, um skate kitchen happens in new york city it's all it's all like it's like the ideal world of like uh skateboarding and how like you know you hang out with a crew and like you're running wild and like whatever but then the document mining the gap the documentary is like the real actual nitty gritty of real skateboarding culture like when they open up and they they're they're at zach's house partying Mm. like literally the house that i partied at it was it looked exactly the same and it was all kind of kids that had broken homes and like Mm. there was multiple people living there in and out and like the skateboarding is what like brought everybody together and like it was a community and like that movie is the real life nitty-gritty of Mm. skateboarding and Skate Kitchen is awesome. It's it's also a pretty true story, even though it's not a documentary. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's actually a really good um, depiction of what's actually going on in skateboarding right now in big cities. Right. But that's why they're both awesome. It's like right. it's it's a great capture of the two different kinds of 
things that are going on. You have yeah. these ki- young kids that are millennials and like getting recognized on Facebook. And then you have just the kids that don't even give a fuck and like skateboarding is their life and like the- it brings them together and they take care of each other. Yeah. It's I w- cool. I was wondering if there's one of the two movies that you related to more because I do I do feel like they they each represent you so well mm-hmm. because Kate Kitchen is about, you know, these like cool queer girls in a big city and then Mind the Gap is all about like kids in a Rust Belt town. And uh, and those are those are the two halves of Heidi Weber. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little too old to be like in uh, to to relate with the skate kitchen vibes because like, um, uh, girls skateboarding um, and and my at my age when I was their age was it was just you know it wasn't it's not like that mm-hmm. and actually it, um, it brings up a good point because there's there's a lot of debate in the skate community right now in which girls are getting turned pro. Um, but the men are so angry because they're like, if they were a dude, they wouldn't be turning pro because they don't have the same skills. And like mm-hmm. that, um, skate kitchen kind of like plays on the, um, the kind of dynamic between dude skaters and chick skaters. And it's not good. It's still not good. People are thinking that they're overcompensating and turning a bunch of girls pro and the dudes are upset because they oh, think some that affirmative action. That's what's being said. Yeah. Right. That basically like if that girl was mm-hmm. a dude doing those same tricks, right. she would not be pro. Well, and I think that's what's so interesting looking at the two movies side by side is because, you know, Skate Kitchen does have so much of that. It does have this sort of untold story of like this, this like all female collective of skaters um, and we see the ways that they interface often very roughly with the dude skaters. Mm-hmm. And then Minding the Gap, meanwhile, is like this very raw, very real, very like lacerating portrait of like every layer of like the toxic masculinity, um, Peter Pan syndrome of boys who are skaters. Not all boys, but these boys. Yeah. And, and based on how it looks in Skate Kitchen, it seems like it's not just those boys. Yeah, no, I mean... and. Th- I like also Minding the Gap um, really touches on um, the alcohol abuse of, I mean, this the skating culture is, is just so built on um, alcohol abuse. And you see the one the main character, Zach, he's like having a breakdown and saying like, this is why I drink because, mm-hmm. and it, it's just, it's a male, it's always been a male dominated thing. And it's always been so tied to alcohol and then the main character in um skate kitchen she kind of like um because remember they start having an orgy and she's kind of like nah she like yeah but yeah yeah, it's like this weird like party culture and it's always has been and it always will be and both the movies kind of just portray it very well very differently yeah yeah um so one thing that came up when 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 watching um skate kitchen was she was she was you were talking about that sort of like party that was a little bit of an orgy and and again it's in new york and these kids are all like super cool right they have like the coolest clothes um they're having they have like a dj and the question is like how how is someone who's like this like like she's dressed perfectly right she's wearing basically the outfit of like a 1970s skateboarder with like the scoop neck t-shirt with like the like straight leg pants and she looks like the Dogtown and z-boys like type skateboarders and you're like how is this girl like awkward this should be like the coolest person in the world but like there's also this tumultuous history of skateboarding being like skaters are i don't know like high school clicks around not being like the jocks and like not being like being the sort of like outsider other culture um always right that's again like associated with like smoking a lot of weed and uh maybe like being more queer like not even just like sexually just like being queer as opposed to like not being as mainstream as as a culture and especially in like the 90s and the early 2000s um and i thought that was an interesting way to, to to sort of look at in both places like where where what like the things that keep you from being part of, um, I don't know, like broken families and things that like keep you as like an outsider because you like can't deal with what's going on for one reason or another. Um, and that, that, I don't know, was sort of a interesting thing that to see in the real life movie as well as the, um, the dramatization. A skate kitchen was definitely like idyllic. Like that's like, I wish that I was that cool at that. Age. You saw my picture. I was not that cool at that age. <laughs> different times. Uh, yeah, I feel like, um, you know, looking at them side by side, 
I think we were talking right before we started to tape about like, you know, if we thought one was more commendable than the other or if one should be pick of the week. And then I said mine the gap just because I feel like watching Skate Kitchen, I was so taken in by the mood, by the photography, by the atmosphere, by the music, by the coolness of the kids and just like enjoying their natural chemistry. It was definitely cool. Very cool. Very cool. Um, but the conflict is lame. To me, the conflict of like, oh, she gets a crush on a boy played by Jaden Smith. Hilarious. And then, right. Um, and then it's like, oh, but the other girl is like his ex or whatever. And then it's like, it just, I felt like it went to a very sort of like a very lame derivative place with yeah. that storyline. And I was kind of like, this is the conflict in this very cool, amazing, like rad, like modern millennial story is like, it's just like, oh, like cat fight. I like, think I, would... I like that boy. No, you're out now. I think I was so overwhelmed with excitement that like um like an all women skate real skate crew was getting like yeah a f- movie made about them that mm-hmm. like I forgot a, like forgot to even like critique the story right. and then when it when it ended I was like all she did was on Instagram like send them a right. send them a slide slide slid into their DMs and <laughs> right. said hey I'm sorry and then, and then there's a clip of them <laughs> skating together like. It was kind of lame. Yeah. So I'm going to counter that. I'm sorry, guys. Um, I would say I didn't like the fact that during basically the whole second half of the movie, I was afraid of what the conflict was going to be. Like, I was like, oh, it's going to be something terrible is going to happen. Everything was like so good. And, you know, she especially she like goes and stays with all these dudes in this house. And like, that looks like it's going to be gnarly. Mm -hmm. And it's like, is someone going to get killed? Is someone going to get raped? Like, what's going to be the thing that happens? It's terrible. Um, And then it wasn't. So... Again, as you mentioned, like the conflict was was very very easy to to swallow, and so like, I wish that I wouldn't have known that almost, so I wasn't so stressed out thinking that something <laughs> terrible was going to happen. Because at the end of the day, I really enjoyed that it wasn't something terrible that happened. Like it was kind of like I'm going back to like the crazy rich Asians thing. Is that this is a great movie for like young girls to be able to watch and be like, this is like my this is a like rad buddy comedy like like hangout flick where we get to like fuck around and just be us and we're not answering to anybody we're doing what we want to do they have like frank conversations about getting your period and like boys being grabby and they support each other they like oh my god the one girl who like has to check out the other girl's vagina, uh, vagina? yes yeah remember I, I did that before and i told you about it that is true <laughs> that is true um <laughs> there there is such a place for this movie to exist like i'm you know imagine like a, a bunch of like I don't know, friends like going to watch this on like a Saturday night, like they're totally. in their parents' basement and ordering some pizza. That's mm-hmm. fucking rad. And like, well, and at know. the end I'm of the day, no like you conflict. have, you have to remember that these girls were skaters first and right. actors second. And that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And they're they great. did a fucking fantastic job. They did. And go look at their Instagrams because they are fucking six skaters. They did. They did. Although I don't know why you keep taking these arguments to these have a right to exist. I'm not saying they don't have a right to exist. They do, there doesn't right. need to be a conflict in order for it to be well, I mean, that's a like, good movie. Well, every story needs conflict. That's like a, that's just plot. Like a plot needs a conflict. So it's like there's not like a plot, like a conflict free movie. There's always like a mm-hmm. conflict in the story that like keeps the, the story going. Um, and so I think just from that sense, I was waiting to see what would be, and I'm not saying I want it to be super gritty. I was just wondering, and I was like, I'm, I was open to the fact that maybe they're just going to have this full on kind of experiential open-ended documentary kind of vibe where it's like, yeah, we just kind of follow them through these small moments and there's really no like overarching conflict. But then I just think it's regressive to make it about like, oh, and then the girls have a fight about a boy and then they stop being friends. So I think that that feeling of her like making a friend for the first time and then having it all ruined and feeling like your life is falling apart is like an incredibly relatable experience for a teenager uh, to go through that age. And what what I explained um, with you, the dynamic between the women skaters and the boy skaters, Mm -hmm. knowing that and watching the film when they have this sense of betrayal is, is, is more. It makes more sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's a way bigger, way bigger deal. Right. Yeah. No, that part that part I could get. And I think if it had been just that, if it had just been like, no, we like we don't fuck with those boys. They're gross. Um, but then it became more about how like the one girl who she became close with like was like his ex or whatever. And then it was like, oh, girl code. But also the whole lead up was them getting kind of bullied by these dudes every mm-hmm. day at the skate park, which is so real. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's the part I'm saying I like. And that's why the betrayal is even more because like they're kind of they're forced to band. Girl skaters are forced to band together because like even like me, like I go to the skate park at six 
6 a.m. in the mm-hmm. morning to avoid all of that. Mm. Right. They, and like, they do that in the movie too. They go super right, early. They, yeah, yeah, they, 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 they said that in the, the assholes get there. Yeah, they yeah. said that in the, the movie too, which was awesome. But like that is what makes the betrayal even more because like you're hanging out with these assholes that like literally they got the um, lesbian one got in a fight with that dude mm-hmm. like twice right. in the movie. Because like, they get yeah. mad about the whole thing. They, they're mad that, that she's hanging out with all of them mm-hmm. um, because they've like, you know, they're taking photos of her. So they're like, you know, oh, because you're sleeping with her, you're hanging out with all these assholes yeah. that like bully us. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it, mm-hmm. of course, yeah, she's the ex or he's the ex of the other whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's even a more betrayal because like right. as girls, you kind of have to band together mm-hmm. and to be out skating with a dude crew. Right. That's. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, what do we think of the lesbian character? <laughs> well, she's a real person, right? And she reminded me of somebody I knew. She's also she's also sick. They're all sick skaters. It's it's awesome. It's mm-hmm. good. I liked and, it. It was. It, I would have more leeway for um, Skate Kitchen if I didn't immediately watch Mining the Gap right after because right. it is it is light and it is. It is what it is. Yeah. But it does touch on like a, a lot of really good mm-hmm. things that are happening in, in skateboarding culture right now. Right. And we should note that the director, Crystal Moselle, mm-hmm. um, is is more of a documentarian. Uh, her I last saw movie the other was one. The Wolfpack. The Wolfpack. Saw, Wasn't that movie crazy? Holy shit. That movie is wow. unbelievable. That's one of those, it's like three identical strangers. It's like one of those like too yeah, crazy to believe. Can you believe it? Right. Right. Do you know the story about how she happened on that story Did, wasn't she didn't she just like see them like in like the lower east side or something i don't know you tell I, me i, I just yeah, watched I think, the movie you're the expert you're like, here you're like, I was, i'm just I was, here to talk about skateboarding like, i was genuinely asking did you know <laughs> yeah no i think she just like saw them like in the lower east side and like and like started making friends with them and talking to them um and then you know yeah one thing led to another and she made that crazy fucking movie that um but uh but yeah so i think that it makes sense that it feels so much like a documentary and i think she does have probably such a light touch with them in, in terms of trying to like mm-hmm heard them into like scenes and and things like that um so but my in the gap i guess for me had the advantage of being so much weightier um which isn't always a benefit um but i think that the way that this so this so literally is just this kid named bing lu um who uh would decide to film his uh, his best friends um who are all skaters together in rockford illinois for a period of probably about like five five six seven years um and, and it's uh i think they stopped filming in 2011 so it's like not that oh, wow. it's not that um out of interesting yeah wow and uh and just following them um at very close range through a lot of very major life moments um and uh in sort of the the kernel of of the you know the seed of it for for bing lu was abuse uh, because he was, you know, interested in what had happened to him as a result of his stepfather beating him for many years. And um, and he started to film himself with his friends and then started to see the places where physical violence had taken place in their lives, whether also from a parent or in an intimate relationship. And um, and so um, and so but, you know, similarly to Skate Kitchen, it just added back and forth between like these you know character development sequences um and then just these very like blissed out skating sequences um i'm guessing all of which i don't know how they filmed those <laughs> i don't know if they just get on boards themselves i think being oh, yeah. does he's a skater yeah, yeah. that's how you uh, like i said that's how yeah, you do right. that the person goes right. and then the person behind them has like uh like cruising wheels like i have they're very soft so that you can you're not mm-hmm. and they just follow them with a yeah. I literally had the same camera that Bing had like oh, really? like that I really right. I yeah, really yeah. identified with that movie but like both movies did a really good job of portraying a um uh their own sections of skateboarding mm-hmm. in today's culture. Yeah, and the uh Kier, I think Kier was the one that was like when I when everything is so fucked up and mm-hmm. everything feels so bad if I, as long as I'm still able to go out and skateboard, yeah, I feel okay. And I think if you ask any person that gets on a skateboard, that is true, and that's true in both the movies. It's like yeah. as long as you have your skateboard and you can get on it, you always feel okay. It's the best fucking feeling in the world. Doesn't his board say like this device cures heartache? Does it? Yeah, like it, like earlier in the movie, like it breaks like right after it happens. But yeah, it says like this machine cures heartache or something. It's and, true. And then he, when he's talking about his injuries later, and um, they're like, oh, but you know, you love your board, but your boards hurt you. And he's like, well, so did my, my dad, dad, but I love him. Yeah. 
that's the thing skateboarding it's like it'll hurt you you'll fall you'll get mad at it you know you won't want to do it when you get hurt and you can't do it you're fucking pissed off but when you get on that board it's the happiest moments of your entire life and most and both of those movies really capture the the passion the joy skateboarding is healing but also it'll fuck you up (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, i think the question that everybody wants to know jason did you ever skateboard uh nope (laughs) easy (laughs) answer to that one i did not no uh but uh you know but do i think skater boys are cute just call me avril lavigne because uh <laughs> he was a skater boy since he later boy you're was welcome for that everyone at home uh yeah i mean i i think that uh i'm very glad that you were able to join us for these reviews i can't imagine rebecca and i sitting here trying to talk about these movies without you when you asked me i literally thought about you guys reviewing skateboarding <laughs> movies by yourself and i was just like <laughs> and you were tickled oh and you made a whole day of this Oh, yeah. Well, I, I had already planned on going skateboarding that day, but I watched um, uh, Skate Kitchen. Skate Kitchen. And then I went on this really long, epic skateboarding adventure and came back and watched Mining the Gap. Yeah. It was great. Probably the, probably the, the correct order to do that in um, because if you'd watch Mining the Gap first, definitely. <laughs> it doesn't have the same like loosey goosey. I want to go skate around no. the city kind yeah. of vibe to it. I knew about the movies beforehand, so yeah. I already want, wanted to watch them. So the fact that you um, facilitated that was awesome, but I knew I probably needed to watch the one before the yeah. other no, that, that so what are you call. guys gonna give these movies yeah so i don't actually understand the scale can sure. you tell me again so, so binge it is our highest rating consumer <laughs> <laughs> moderation means it's okay but it's kind of mess, and send it back means life is too short for that mess um i think skate kitchen i would say would be a binge it it's probably more relatable to like we said, it's packaged up and more related, re- relatable to people that don't skateboard or whatever. <clears throat> and what was the second highest one? Uh, consume in moderation. Consume in moderation I would give to Mining the Gap because I think it's very much more focused on um, <clears throat> like actual skate culture. And I mean, if you're not interested, I can't, I, I can't, I'm not actually able to tell because I am interested in it. Right, but you guys right. aren't. So like <laughs> maybe it was boring to you. Like when you came in and we were watching it, I was like, you didn't watch it from the beginning. So like, you pr- it's probably out of context and like it's not probably compelling to you mm-hmm. but so that's what all right that's mm-hmm. what i would give it uh i would say they're both a binge it for me um even Cute. even though <laughs> even though i had my even though i felt like skate kitchen was like super airy and lightweight at times like it was still it so, really was it was still so pleasing to just to experience and um and uh and it was something i haven't seen before and i was really rad uh really stoked on that and Mind the Gap, I think that, like, I hear what you're saying, but I feel like the thing that it does have is it does have those, like, super real human stories that are just, like, really meaty and really intense and very relatable. And uh, and I think especially for people like us who come from the Rust Belt, um, you know, I think that, you know, like, we, you guys were watching it together and you were, like, pointing out, you're like, oh, that's an Ohio house. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, there's a Santa, there's a bull, whatever. Uh, so, you know, so I think they're both, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're both midgets for me, even though mind the gap might make people think, I think everyone's always said at one point or another, like, oh, like we should just film our friends. If we just filmed our friends, it would be like really funny or it'd be like a great story. And I feel like nine times out of 10, that's probably not true, (laughs) but in this case it is. The movie starts out like in that fun kind of light way, but yeah he really digs into the deep yeah he he, he commits he commits to doing it over time and he finds the poetry in it and he finds the structure in it yeah the end of mining the gap um it all kind of climaxes with all three stories kind of hitting the peak uh like realization of of sadness and um pain in a in a very similar way about toxic masculinity and abuse and it's it's crazy because you're like this is clearly a first time filmmaker. This is clearly like edited to like maximize all the feelings in a way that's like feels really that you would think feels really contrived, but it works. Mm-hmm. It's, it's still like, well, OK, I see you put it all together. Like it, right. you kind of want to roll your eyes, but then you're like, no, OK, everyone actually really feels this. So it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, that said, I'm going to go with a binge it for um, Skate Kitchen. Um, as just a lot of fun, uh, I I would say I would say consumer moderation for Mind the Gap just because I feel like almost for that same reason we were like oh that's Ohio that I feel like I've seen this story before and and 
I don't know. It doesn't feel like as, as new and as interesting, but it is really well done and is, is really powerful. Um, but yeah. One of my favorite things about Minding the Gap was at the end and like when we were watching it here, like I was like, I wanted to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Zach is like the main character for like the whole movie. And then at the end, they may, they have like this really long clip of Kier just skateboarding. Mm-hmm. And I remember while I was watching him, I was like, this dude is awesome he he needs to like be pro and then at the end you guys didn't see it but they give updates of people oh no but cure sponsored by um a skate company so i was like i was like they i could tell i was like they put this long ass he was so good they put this long ass clip of him skateboarding at the end and i was like yep he needs to be sponsored but he is that's awesome oh sorry i turned it off before that (laughs) (laughs) well i'm here to tell you you came in halfway through you both left before it was (laughs) over this bitch comes on one podcast (laughs) we did not do our due diligence and we apologize (laughs) um sorry to you and sorry to all of skateboarding culture (laughs) heidi thank you so much for joining us today thanks for having me i don't have any skateboard friends so it's fun to talk about skateboarding to non-skateboarding friends well the next time we have a skateboarding movie we'll call you back up indeed probably be never but it was awesome (laughs) thank you um thank you so much for listening um we be sure to subscribe on itunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast jason is on twitter at excess baggage and i would also note that mind the gap is available on hulu mm. right now so uh so it's also opening in theaters but it's also on hulu so it's day and date i Th- cried there's an, <laughs> it's an emotional tale <laughs> but yes i am excess baggage i am at fight balance um heidi can people find your skateboarding videos anywhere um my instagram is heidi weber sometimes i post you do me on riding board. my skateboard nice. you should probably stop doing that it's annoying right no it's mesmerizing okay cool Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end, that's amazing. There goes the binge. binge.